Hey, welcome to Sunday School. I'm glad you're here. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. You're listening to the Mills Sunday School Podcast. We are the College and 20-somethings ministry of New Life Church. So read along with me if you will. It's Matthew 7, uh, 1 through 5. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with, measure, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Let's pray. Father God, I just, we come before you this morning and, and thankful that we are able to gather here together and prepare our hearts and minds as, as Joe uh, speaks to us to learn more about what it means to be a, a, a true Christian and a follower of, of you. And let us not be hypocrites or, or judge and stand in judgment of others. And I just, I pray that you speak through Joe this morning. In your son's name, amen. Amen. Well, let's start off with the story. Story time. Has to do with CD collections. Is anybody old enough to remember a CD collection? (laughs) I know you probably haven't purchased a CD since iTunes opened up, but back in the day, in my high school years, we had CD collections. Like this, like the big thing, it's like, like an idiot, you'd pull it out and unzip it, and like an idiot, you'd flip through, try to find your CD. Um, and so I was on a bus, uh, I'd just gone to a Christian youth, like uh, a camp, and we were on the bus ride back, and the whole week I was just listening to sermons and the worship music and totally pumped up and on fire for God and wanting to change my life and wanting to just live better for Him. And one of the rules uh, on the Christian camp and on the bus was that you were not allowed to have non-Christian music. Anybody went to a camp like that? You go to the camp, it's like, no non-Christian, no secular music. And so I got it in my head to be like the self-proclaimed policeman of the bus and like go sniff out non-Christian CDs. So I was like going up to people just, I mean, I, I was trying to help. I was trying to be like the enforcer of this rule. It was a, it was a rule on the bus, no non-Christian music. So I'd go up to someone and say, Hey, let me see your CD collection. And back of the day, you'd pull out your CD. You know, I had like that little CD player that like flipped open. Anybody remember those? I mean, it wasn't that long ago. So, um, so you'd put your CD in there. Anyways, I'd say, let me see your CD collection. And people are like, oh, let me show you my CD collection. They're so proud of their C- CD collection. So you'd like pull out this big thing like an idiot and unzip it like an idiot and pull it out and like, oh, look at all my CDs. And so I'd look at their CDs and I'd be like, hey, I need to confiscate the CD. The CD is not a Christian CD. I'll give it back at the end of the trip, but you know the rule just like I do. I need to confiscate that CD. And so they'd be like, oh, I hate you. You're an idiot. And I would, I would like take the CD and I would just be like, this is for your own good. You know, it's for the rules. We've got to keep the rules on the bus. And the rule is no non-Christian music. So give me the CD. And so they'd give it to me. And then I did this like maybe like a couple different people, like tricked them into seeing their CD collection and taking a non-Christian CD or two that I saw while flipping through. And one of the youth leaders uh, either saw me doing this or heard me doing this or overheard me doing this and said, hey, Joe, why don't you come sit with me for a second? Let's talk about uh, the CDs for a second. And basically he said um, something like this. There's two sides 
to every story. And he, he kind, of, kind of called me out. It was a good teaching moment for me uh, by this loving, um, very cool uh, youth leader that helped me rethink what I was doing. Because I was being legalistic. I was being judgmental. So he sat me down and kind of said, Joe, we have this rule, no, no non-Christian music, uh, on the retreat, but we don't enforce it, Joe. He said, you know, we, we try to have this standard and we ask people to, um, you know, try to do this as a standard, as a way of living that we are called apart as Christians uh, to live holy. And this is one of the ways we can do it. But, but we don't enforce this like a law. We don't enforce it like a rule. And he, he went on to say, um, you know, there's this difference between the letter of the law and the heart behind the law. And I was carrying out the letter of the law by tricking people into seeing their CD collections and then taking their CDs out of their collection and like, like being a policeman. He said, you know, I, and he said, I even have a non-Christian CD here. And I was like, what? We had to confiscate it. No, I was, uh, I wasn't that dumb. Um, he said, I have this CD. And he said, look at this CD. And he said, uh, it's by a band called U2. Anybody U2? Yeah, U2. Um, there's the CD war that came out a long time ago. And one of the songs on the CD war is uh, the song 40, which is word for word lyrics, uh, the Psalm 40 being sung. He said, this is a non-Christian band. It's U2. It's a secular band. Um, but listen to this song. And so I listened to it, and it was literally, and he pulled out the Bible, and it was literally Psalm 40, uh, the lyrics to the song. I was like, oh, well, that's, that's cool. That's edifying to God. And I, here I am carrying out this, like, these rules. The rule is no non-Christian music. And missing out on, like, the heart behind the rule is to, to, to live for Christ and to live... Uh, listen to music on this Christian retreat that would reflect him and not reflect the devil. Um, so, I don't know. It was just a good moment. I'm, I really wasn't like that in high school. I don't know what came over me after the retreat to, to be the self-proclaimed policeman and this legalist to carry out the rules on the bus. But this conversation with the youth pastor helped me think about the, the letter of the law versus the heart behind the law and uh, how we as Christians can do damage to people when we judge them or carry out legalistic rules to them. So anyways, that's the story I wanted to start off with. We'll come back to it in a minute. But welcome to Sunday School. As Aaron said, we have some visitor cards. Fill one out, uh, bring it to the back, and we'll give you a gift. It's the same thing. Uh, If you've never been to New Life, it's the same card, same gift. Um, So welcome if you're new. Usually, uh, as far as community goes, we go to the second service right after this, and we sit in section 10 together, and we're, we're doing like section communities now. So if you're new, make sure you go meet somebody, walk over with them, because church over there is pretty big. And then finally, as by, by way of announcements, uh, we have small groups. There should be sheets, I think, as you leave. Um, a small group sheet with list of groups. If you're interested in joining a group, find the sheet um, and, and pick out a group. They're, they're all co- groups for college and 20-something, so we want you to be in community. We think that's important. And so let's get started officially, finally, shall we? Okay. So we're, this month we're talking about legalism and the Christian life. And I think it's something that really haunts Young Christians and Christians who are young, who have maybe been a Christian a while, people throw around this term. Like if someone confronts you about something spiritually, um, you probably throw out at some point like the don't judge me bro card or man, you're just being a legalist 
card. Or maybe you've confronted someone about a sin you saw in their life. And you're like, you know, do you think you should really be doing this? Do you think this is healthy? Do you think this is uh, glorifying to God? And then they maybe have pulled the card on you. Like, don't judge me, bro. The card gets thrown on you. Or don't be a legalist, bro. You get the card thrown at you. And I hear this a lot. I think every time I hear about someone like living, really living for the Lord and doing something um, really awesome and pretty radical, people will often look at that person and point the fingers like, oh, well, they're, they're just being a legalist. Um, so I hear the term a lot. It gets thrown a lot, around a lot, this, this philosophical idea of legalism versus living by grace. And so I have a discussion question for you. So at your table, if you're at a small table, join a big table. table. The bigger, the better. Here's the discussion question. Think of a time, it should be a pretty easy one. Think of a time you just heard the term legalism and, and specifically like in conversations with other Christians uh, and specifically about uh, spiritual legalism. Think of a time you heard the term legalism. How was it used? In what context was it used? Was it used in a good way, a bad way? Uh, what was going on when you heard the term legalist? So something just to get your uh, mind going and a question to get us discussing. So ready? Cassette, discuss. I have a mic. I would love to hear some of your thoughts, kind of get a little discussion going. But from the looks of it, no one sat in the front row, so maybe you're afraid of me. There's nothing to be afraid of. If, if you say something wrong, I'll just hit you. Just kidding. I will, someone get us started. I will not hit anyone. I won't even make fun of you. Miss Crow, thank you. You mentioned Footloose. The Footloose, the movie? In the, um, the, the new father, one or the old one? The old one. The, the, old one, fa- the, guy, the girl's father, I remember her name. But she was like, you have to, he was like, you have to go to church. You have to do this. You can't do this. And yeah. Just Le- yeah. You, do you know what you said? The, the movie Footloose, anybody? No, yeah, the dancing thing. All right, who, anybody else? Was, so the last time you heard the term legalism or a time you heard of legalism, what was the context? Ms. Spurgeon and then Mr. Porter. You're going to say the same thing? Okay, we'll see. If you want to add, you can. So I think that I've heard it most, and I've used it myself. It's kind of a confession. Um, (laughs) (laughs) In bitterness, maybe, towards, like, the Catholic Church. Yeah. And some other churches that I feel like are so law-focused and rule-focused that there's not enough room for grace. Um, But I've used it in anger. Yeah, like just seeing other people carrying out endless rules, and you're just like, oh, a bunch of just legalists. Dan, do you want to add to that, or? Okay, I guess. You don't have to. I mean, she kind of covered it. We just talked about it's never, we've never really heard it in a positive sense. Like, oh man, that guy's such an awesome legalist. So, and we were talking about, um, we were at a wedding a while ago, a couple months ago, and the bride and groom were not allowed to kiss. And we were like, that's... Wait, at the wedding? At the wedding. That makes had, sense to me. They had to wait till they actually left the church property. <laughs> oh, the church kiss. had the rule. The don't church. Kiss. Well, I think it was the priest had the rule, and they. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, when I do a wedding, wow. same thing, same rule. But just kiss. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if any time you should be kissing, that that would be. Anyways, um, <laughs> I, I came up with a very short list of how I've often heard the term legalism used. Um, I hear it used, anybody ever hear it used about movies and going to see movies? 
It's like, uh, oh, I, like someone will say, I don't, I don't see R-rated movies. And you're like, well, come on, it's, it's actually a good message in this movie. And they're like, no, I, I don't watch R-rated movies. Well, stop being a legalist, like this, this conversation. Or how many of you in your groups mentioned alcohol is a big deal when it comes to legalism? Or uh, dancing, someone mentioned the Footloose thing, or going to bars and clubs. Um, or mod- anybody mentioned modest dressing when it comes to legalism? Like, oh, you're wearing this. You shouldn't wear that. Well, why not? Oh, because it's too short. Well, don't be a legalist. Or the big one, uh, in fact, I've told a couple people uh, about Mill Sunday School. I was like, oh, well, what are you talking about at Mill Sunday School? I was like, well, this month we're talking about legalism. And two different people at two different times have said, oh, like the marijuana thing? And I've said, well, we probably need to talk about that. And that is a big issue right now. And um, we'll, we'll talk about that maybe next week or the week after. Um, another thing, a, a big area I've heard the term legalism used is when it comes to fasting. And Christians will fast. Um, it, we just came out of the Lent season not too many months ago where people for Lent gave up something. Anybody give up something for Lent? Um, so a couple of you did. And, and so sometimes a conversation will happen like, oh, I gave up Facebook for Lent. And you're like, well, well why'd you give up Facebook? And it's like, well, I'm just, you know, giving it up to the Lord. It's like, well, you don't have to be legalistic about it. Uh, I've heard that conversation. I've heard the conversation about Christian music. It's like, oh, well, I don't listen to Christian music. Well, why not? It was like, well, I don't want to listen to the devil music. It was like, well, don't be so legalistic. There's a conversation that happens. And last week we defined legalism. If you're following along in your notes, um, that we give you and you came in. Uh, we talked last week about type 1 legalism. And there's been all these jokes about like type 1 diabetes or type 2 diabetes. We're talking about legalism. This, this, just, uh, this is to help you. Um, um, so type 1, we talked all about this last week, that type 1, at least the type that I'm defining, type 1 legalism is uh, attempting to obtain attain salvation or keep salvation by the keeping of rules. And we said, this is just ridiculous. This is not the Christian message. We are saved by grace and out of grace comes uh, good works. We worded it like this. We are saved by the grace of God and good works overflow. And so if good works aren't overflowing, well, then we could question uh, if you're really saved by grace, but you're not saved by the grace. You're saved, excuse me, you're not saved by the works. You're saved by the grace and then good works overflow. And then last week to quickly review, uh, we talked about type two legalism. Uh, another type is where Christians keep certain rules with, and regard other Christians who do not keep le- their level of holiness with contempt. And this is usually, almost always, the term gets thrown around with like non-biblical rules. Like it doesn't say anything about, in the Bible about CD collections or movies, mainly because they didn't have CD collections. They had like records back then. I don't know what they had. Um, it's like a long time ago. So it, it doesn't appear in the Bible. And so we come to Scripture in 2014 with, with ideas like, well, is this biblical? Is this not biblical? And some people have higher standards. And then those people often look at other Christians with contempt. It's kind of like this. Here's a childish example. It might be sort of funny. Here's a picture of my two boys. Uh, oh, just look at them. There's Jay on the right. Uh, next to him is a soccer ball. It's like a pillow soccer ball. It's really soft and fluffy. And he's allowed to throw that one because it won't break anything. He's allowed to like throw it back and forth or kick it around the house. It's fine. No big deal. It's a pillow. And Rowan, my other son, he's holding this hard plastic chicken ball. Um, 
And it's uh, like it's really it's like to this like this Disney farm like Rube Goldberg machine. It's really weird, but it's a really heavy ball, and you're not allowed to throw that ball. And Jay knows he's old enough to know that you don't throw that ball because it'll break things, it'll hurt. Uh, in fact, he calls it an ouchy ball because if you throw it and it hurts someone, it gives them an ouchy, so it's an ouchy ball. Um, and if he throws the ouchy ball, he gets a timeout. He knows that. And so the other day, Rowan was on the floor, and Rowan's not old enough. He's 10, 10 months. Jay's almost three, so Jay knows better. Rowan uh, is too young. Rowan was like on the floor, just like a baby, just sitting there like throwing and rolling this ball. And Jay sees Rowan throwing and rolling the ouchy ball and knows that that's not allowed. So Jay comes in and grabs the ouchy ball, this hard plastic ball, and just pops Rowan on the head. He says, don't throw the ouchy ball. <laughs> now, Rowan's fine. But it just, it's, aren't we like that as Christians sometimes? Like we know the rule and the rule is there to keep us safe. And here you see someone breaking the rule and so you like hit them with it. It's like the whole point of the rule was to not get hurt. And it's like, like, yeah, we're kind of like that sometimes. Maybe not as silly like that. I found this uh, cartoon picture. Maybe you could read it from where you are. Uh, It's God or Jesus at at the pearly gates uh, interviewing this Christian. And it says, Um, you were a believer, yes, but you skipped the not being a jerk about it part. Um, It's like, oh, that's, that's, we're sometimes like that as Christians. Uh, And I'm going to give you a discussion question a little bit later. It's like, have you been judged by a Christian uh, spiritually when you didn't really deserve it? I was talking to my wife this week about that, and she said her brother, uh, her older brother was on a mission trip to Mexico, and he did something horrible. He bought and drank a Red Bull. <laughs> mm. And so this, this lady who was also on the trip saw him buy and drink the Red Bull and just let him have it. Like, how could you drink the devil's drink? This is the devil's beverage. You're going to hell. I don't know what was said. I wasn't there. But just ripped into him. And Erica said, you know, it's that kind of thing that has probably led her brother to where he is now of kind of not liking the church and not liking Christians. Or Erica, when she was younger, how old were you, 13? When you were 13-ish? She's in the back. Uh, she, uh, did, she went to a Christian Bible camp uh, and did a horrible, horrible thing. She wore jean cut-off shorts that were down to here, like almost to the knee. Can you imagine? <laughs> and so this lady who was on the trip, uh, it was really weird. I've got to wonder about this lady. But she told another little, little 13-year-old girl how she thought Erica was dressed like the S word, the S-L-U-T word, because she had jean cutoffs down to her knees. And I don't know what her standards were, but they were obviously a lot higher. And so this little girl told Erica, yeah, so-and-so, this lady calls you the S word. Erica cried and told her mom, Erica's mom, then talked to the lady. Turns out it is true. And this lady was just really concerned that the girls of the church were dressing so immodestly and wanted to call Erica and the other girls out on it. And it's like, it's that kind of thing that like we as Christians, like we get a bad name for that. We hold these standards uh, for ourselves that are so high. It's like, that's fine. If you want to hold a very high standard and not do this or that, that's fine. But as soon as you like look at others with contempt, then it just becomes so judgmental. And Jesus so clearly, I'll read a few scriptures later, says not to do that. And so I imagine your pushback to me might be this, uh, judging others versus correcting other Christians. How many of you thought of that instantly? Like this whole 
discussion of judgment and legalism. Um, and I know as, as a pastor, I'm probably guilty of, I could probably look through the Sunday school podcast and find like podcasts of me uh, talking about judgment and, and talking for like maybe 2% of the time about not judging and 98% of the time about like, okay, here's how we, we should judge this situation and that situation. Um, so today I'm not going to do that. I'm, just, I'm simply going to stick to the do not judge. Next week, we'll talk about the correcting other Christians part, the dis- discipline, discipleship, uh, rebuking other Christians. Sometimes that has to happen. Uh, training other Christians, having authority. Uh, like I, as a pastor, have authority over Christians, and sometimes people welcome me to look into their lives and ask me about how they're doing. And if I see something, I have a role to play in correcting other Christians. But today, uh, I'm going to bold it. We are specifically talking about not judging others. So this sermon will, will get a sermon, a, a whole Sunday school morning talk, Um, specifically about don't do it. Don't judge others. Next week, we'll talk about the correction process and what that might look like. But today, don't do it. Don't judge others. So here's some Bible verses. I'm going to give you a whole smattering of Bible verses. If you're the kind of person that likes to take notes, uh, keep up. I'll give you quite a few. If you don't get them all, you can come talk to me later. I have the list up here. Um, But Matthew 7, the verse we started off with today, Jesus says simply, do not judge or you too will be judged. Another reference, James 4. James 4, starting in verse 11, uh, says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. But one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you are the judge of the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of the law. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Don't do it. Don't judge. Um, and then there's, I'm going to give you three psalm verses about how the Lord is the judge. And if we really trust who the Lord is and what he is doing, then it's a matter of like handing it over to him. Other people's sins, other people's, the rules we want to place on other people. Like me, going back to the story I started off with, like trying to go through people's CD collections and taking their non-Christian music. Well, if God's really the judge, then let God go through other people's CDs collections. Like, why do I need to do it? Anyways, um, Psalm 9.8. Talking about God. He shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall administer judgments for the people, uh, for people in unrighteousness. Psalm 7, verse 11. God is a just judge. And God is angry with the wicked every day. So if you've ever been angry at someone because of their failure, well, guess what? God, God is the true and righteous judge. And he is angry with the wicked every day. Psalm 50, verse 6. Let the heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is a judge. Selah. And then verse uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.11. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business. <laughs> That's a hard one for today, don't you think? You're like in the middle of taking a selfie and you're like, oh, yeah, what's he talking about? It's like, I was just about to post this. <laughs> like, how hard is it? Like, we could update, like, where we are, what we just ate for breakfast, and I'm guilty of it as well. Uh, all the time, just like wanting to, like, I don't even know what it is. Just like talk about your life and let everyone know what you just ate for breakfast. Um, It's like live a quiet life. And specifically when it comes to not judging others, mind your own business is what it says. Um, And then verse, uh, uh, let's see, starting at verse 7. This is John chapter 8, the very famous passage where an adulterous woman, a woman caught in the act of adultery is brought before Jesus. And Jesus says very famous words in verse 7. says, well, whoever is without sin 
You can cast the first stone. People leave. Of course, no one is without sin. And then Jesus, one who actually was without sin, God on earth says to this woman, you know, go, you're free to go, but leave this life of sin. Those are verses about judgment. And I want to say that when we get judged as Christians, um, well, maybe it's like this. Like when we judge other Christians, maybe the one who really suffers is our own selves. When we look at others and, and point to others, maybe it's we, we are really doing an injustice to ourselves. Here's one more discussion question to get you thinking along those lines. Um, so at your tables, if you're at a small table, join into a big table. Um, think about this. Um, have you been spiritually judged by a Christian legalist for something that you did not deserve? I think we all have. I've been. I just think in my past, like, yeah, people have like come up to me and pointed out something. It's like, that's not, I didn't even, that's not, it's, the other guy did that. And I was just, I just, man, it's so dumb that you're judging me because of this. And it's a hurtful thing. So in that, uh, maybe you have funny stories, maybe you have serious stories, uh, Discuss this question. Have you been judged by a Christian legalist? If so, what was the context? So discuss that. Ready? Get set. Discuss. I was thinking about using the mic to go out and get, uh, hear some of your stories, but I think it'd be too depressing. How many of you would raise your hand and say, you've been spiritually judged at some point by a Christian legalist? Raise your hand. Raise them high like you're proud. You're not proud. It's like so many of us have. And it, if I went around and asked for stories... I imagine there'd be kind of depressing stories, like someone got into your business and judged you about something, like some standard that they had. And so many of these stories have really, like you can't find a verse in scripture that says, like, don't do this. But we as Christians make rules, and sometimes they're very good rules. Sometimes they're very healthy rules to have. I know lots of you that don't go see R-rated movies. Just make that rule in your life. I know lots of you that don't drink alcohol at all. Just that's the rule you have in your life, and that's a great rule. And many of you have these standards, like, oh, maybe you fast once a week or something. How many of you were at desperation, took the vow? Anybody? Oh, lots of hands. It's like part of that was this encouragement to fast once a week. Like, that's great. That's great that you have that rule. But if you fast once a week and then you're like looking at other Christians who don't fast once a week and you think you're calling them out, you, like don't do that. Like why be a legalist and call someone out on something in scripture that, that clearly is not, you know, this, this command to fast once a week isn't there. It's great that you fast once a week. What, what an awesome thing. And to have done that for, I know people who've done that for years, fast one day a week. That's awesome. Like that's really cool. You, you spend a day fasting something unto the Lord. That's great. But as soon as you have this standard and then force it onto someone else, that's like when people get hurt. That's when judgmental attitudes come in. That's when the term legalism is used. And it's not just for us. Sometimes I think 2014 has these brand new problems within the Christian world um, that didn't exist any other time. It was like, no, Maybe the problems were a little different, but they were the same problems. I have a, we'll go back in history for just a second, if you're okay with that. Here's a nerd alert for you. <laughs> so here's our homeboy, Augustine, uh, for all the, those of you that are extra super nerdy. How many of you, you know Augustine by now? I've talked about him enough. I, he's one of my homeboys now. Um, he's got a sweet beard, uh, but a cool haircut. So this is Augustine. Uh, he lived in the 400s. He's probably, if, if you've never heard of the name Augustine, you should. He's probably considered the greatest 
Christian theologian outside of Bible writers. Uh, you've probably heard of C.S. Lewis and Tozer and other people like that. Well, they are standing on the shoulders, figuratively, of Augustine when writing theology uh, and what he did for the Christian life and experience. And so I, I sometimes will listen to old sermons uh, or at least sermons uh, that were written out and then read. Um, I have a daily devotional that I do these different prayers, and then one of the devotions is to uh, listen to a sermon from like an early church father. And just the other day, I listened to this sermon, or at least a, a portion of it, by Augustine way back in the 400s. Augustine was preaching on Psalm 51, uh, which if you know that particular psalm, it's the psalm David wrote right after his affair with Bathsheba, when David is just so regretful and sorry and brings his transgressions to the Lord and asks for forgiveness. Well, uh, Augustine preaches a sermon on that and says this. So this is Augustine's sermon way, way back a long time ago. He says, I acknowledge my transgressions, says David. If I admit my fault, then you will pardon me. Let us never assume, listen to this, this is fascinating. Let us never assume that if we live good lives, we will be without sin. Our lives should be praised only when we continue to beg for pardon. But men are hopeless uh, creatures. And this is the part that got me, that I was listening to the sermon, and it's like, oh, this, this, this is exactly what I've experienced in my own life, and people looking at my life. Um, it's true today as it was 1,600-ish years ago. So Augustine says this in a sermon, men are hopeless creatures, and the less they concentrate on their own sins, the more interested they become in the sins of others. Isn't that true? It's like the less concentrated you are in your own sin, the more interested. It's like how fascinating it is to talk about other people when you're not concerned about your own sin. Let's gossip. It's so juicy. Guess what so-and-so did? I saw them at a, they're doing this. It's like the more, the less concentrated we are in our own sins, the more interested we become in other sins. I'll, I'll continue. They seek to criticize, not to correct. Unable to excuse themselves, they are ready to accuse others. This was not the way David showed us how to pray and make amends to God when he said, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. He did not concentrate on other sins, but he turned his thoughts on himself. So we're talking about David. He did not merely stroke the surface, but he plunged deep inside within himself and he did not spare himself and therefore was not disrespectful in asking to be spared. So David committed this horrible sin but instead of pointing at others, looking at others, like justifying yourself, like, oh, well, everyone does that. Everyone, you know, is a sinner. He plunges deep inside his own sin and asks for forgiveness to the Lord. And we could read about it in Psalm 51. And then Augustine ends with this. Do you want God to be appeased? Learn what you are to do that God may be pleased with you, namely by asking for forgiveness, looking at your own sin, bringing your own confession to the Lord. So as we conclude this morning, we'll end just a tad early. Um, I, think, I think this is maybe a good test of how legalistic you are. Because if you ask anybody in here, hey, are you a legalist? What are you going to say? No. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, there's always a reason. You know, if you confronted a, a brother or a sister in the Lord and they accuse you of being a legalist, what'd you, what would you say? You're like, well, I'm not being a legalist. I'm just correcting you. This is, you know, you should stop doing this. This is unwise. This is foolish. You need to stop it. You need to, you're an idiot. Um, rare, I don't know if ever, anyone has ever been, you know, in the moment, 
said, oh yeah, you're right, I'm being a legalist. No, there's always a reason, at least in your own mind, to point your finger at the sin of someone else. I think, so here's a good test of how legalistic you are. Think about the last time you heard of a Christian failing in some way. What was your attitude to that Christian? Maybe it was a friend of yours that confessed a sin to you. Maybe it was a story you heard of another Christian doing something stupid and failing in some way. What was your reaction to them? Because our society, uh, we have like whole websites dedicated to like fails. And you could like watch somebody fall off a skateboard like an idiot. You could look at uh, pictures of like a sign that has a funny spelling error. It's like, look at this idiot. They didn't know how to spell it. It looks funny. Or like you see a picture of like someone who tried to fix something. It's like, that's not like like duct taping a bicycle chain or something. It's like, what an idiot. Um, What a fail. Um, like, we love making fun of others and, like, looking at someone else. I mean, the whole idea of, like, like the home video phenomenon. Like, Amer- anybody remember America's Funniest Home Videos, like, as a kid? Like, I remember, like, way, like the 80s, way back. It's like, oh, man, look at this idiot falling off his bike. That's so funny. He's an idiot. Uh, we love looking at others', others failures and laughing and pointing our finger. But what about when it comes to Christian brothers and sisters in spiritual circumstances? What is our... Reaction. What is your reaction? What is my reaction to seeing someone fail uh, in a spiritual sense? And we, we see, I think, our social secular media, they love it when a Christian, especially a high-profile Christian, fails in some way. It's like, oh, look at this idiot. He was, you know, he's a pastor. Here he is doing this horrible sin. You know, look at the hypocrisy. Look at, look at how dumb these Christians are, our secular society and just people in general, our sinful nature loves to point at others and say, oh, look, look how dumb, look how idiotic, they, look how hypocritical they are. But I think our reaction when we see another Christian fail, it should be one of love, should be one of, oh, how can we pray for that person? How can we comfort them? And I think a, a really good attitude when we see another Christian fail is to look at our own lives and say, oh, Lord, I am a sinner too. Lord, this brings out the sin in all of it. When we see a Christian fail, like, oh, this is, this is hurtful for the church. This is hurtful for the body. This is hurtful for me and my own sin. And uh, Lord, how, how gracious you are to forgive me of my sin. Like looking at someone else failing and thanking God for your own forgiveness and your own, God's own grace in your own life and asking to, for the Lord to convict Here's a, here's a parable. I'll close with this reading of Scripture, and then we'll pray. We'll end a little early today. Uh, this is the exact same passage I read last week to close. And it's because we, can, we need to get this. Uh, I'm thinking through this month and maybe closing every Sunday school with this particular parable because it's so powerful. And, and the more we read it, the more we get it into our hearts. And so it's Jesus talking about the parable of the Pharisee. And the tax collector, there's the uh, painting of it for you to think about as I read. Uh, verse 9, this is Luke 18, verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and that's a, in the ancient society, that's like the holy person, like a really holy person considered really holy by everybody. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And tax collectors were considered the sinners, the people that were stealing money from people and uh, were corrupt. 
So a Pharisee and a tax collector. Verse 11. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And then he says about himself, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. And then the tax collector, he stood at a distance, Jesus says. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says in verse 14, I tell you the truth, that this man, that the sinner, the tax collector, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let's pray. God, we, we come before you humbly, God, we repent of of self-righteous attitudes. God, we repent. Every one of us in here um, has judged another person. Every one of us in here has been legalistic at some point in our life about something, of wanting to hold a rule and seeing others not follow it and and wanting to to punish them or judge them. And Lord, you are a God, a God of mercy and compassion. And what you require from us is to come before you in humility Come before you saying sorry. That is what you want from us. So, Lord, we lay down our sin. God, would you be, uh, we, we want to be the first ones to be convicted in our own lives. Every one of us, Lord, we're asking that of you, that we, you convict us first before we have any intention of, of judging or being a legalist towards others. Lord, we repent of sin. We come before you humbly asking for your forgiveness. God, we, we say thank you for forgiving us like you do, like you say you do. So, Lord, we praise your name. You're a holy God. We worship you. We bless your name. And everybody said, Amen. We hope you've been spiritually encouraged by listening to this podcast. More podcasts and information about the College and 20-somethings ministry at New Life Church in Colorado Springs can be found at newlifechurch.org forward slash Sunday school.